Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Why don't you high-five the person next to you and tell them, you came on a good day. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, worship team, thank you guys so much. Let's hear it for the worship team, you guys. You did a great job. Hey, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Tony, and my wife and I uh, have the privilege of being the lead pastors here at Legacy. So we want to welcome you if you're visiting us for the very first time. I know we've got some visitors here because of the baptism and all that. But if you're visiting us for the first time, we'd love to connect with you. You can do uh, us a favor by just simply filling out a connect card that's uh, located in the seat back in front of you. And you can turn that in at the info hub on the way out in the lobby. For the rest of you, welcome home. It's a good day to be in the house of God. Amen. Uh, Today marks the beginning of our Advent series as we look to Christmas. And I don't know about you, but it's, it's my favorite time of the year. Anybody jump the gun like me and put up your Christmas lights before Thanksgiving? Come on, here's the deal. I make my own rules, okay? If I want to, I get to, right? Some of you are like looking at me like I'm going to go to hell for that. But that's okay. There's hope for all people. Uh, and, and today I, I want to talk to you about what is it that we, we, we're called to do while we wait, right? Have you ever been in a, in a waiting period? Have you ever flown on an airplane and it's not safe for it to land? So it just gets into this thing called a, a holding pattern. Am I right? Right. And it's just, you're just waiting. How many of you know, waiting is excruciating. Waiting uh, tests your patience and, and here's the, the temptation is waiting will always tempt you that to put your hope into the wrong things. And so uh, would you open up your Bibles today to the book of Hebrews chapter 10? We're, we're, we've got two opening uh, scriptures for you uh, in Hebrews and in the book of Psalms. But would you open up Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19? If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat underneath you. And there's also one in the magic screen behind me. Would you stand for the reading of God's word this morning? It says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, how many of you are grateful for that? Let us draw near with a true, look at this, heart in full Assurance. Say with me, full assurance. assurance. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our, here it is, hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now let's go over to the book of Psalms really quickly. Psalms 42 verse 5. It says this. Why am I discouraged? Anybody ever find themselves in a discouraging place? Uh, Why is my heart so sad? I know what I'll do. I'll just binge watch Netflix. 
I know what I'll do. I'll just wallow in that pain. I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll cry out to God and, and say, why me, Lord? No, no, it says, I will put, come on, my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray now that you would open up all of our understanding this morning. Help us to become like Jesus, Lord, for when we see Jesus, we know we'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Man, uh, when, when we decided to put up our Christmas lights here right before Thanksgiving, uh, how many of, of you guys know that there's these like magical fairies that go around and it's like they go to your storage bins and they remove what you were convinced you had put away the year prior. I'm telling you, and if you're anything like me in my home, there's five kids running around and at the end of last season, they all helped us put things away. But when we pulled out the bins and we were looking for things that we were sure they put away, they were not there. Uh, and, and so I, I was searching, the, 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 the house was almost done. I was searching high and low for our wreath that goes in the front door because it ain't Christmas unless you've got a wreath in your front door. And, and I'm looking everywhere and I am not finding it. And I find it in the fall decor bin. Because how many of you know that you can put the right thing into the wrong place? And in this Christmas season, as we begin to look at Christmas and we begin this series on Advent, I want to challenge you in this, in that you're going to have to answer the question, where do you put your hope in? Because hope is a good thing. How many of you would say hope is a good thing? But you can put a good thing in a bad place and you can put a good thing into something where it doesn't belong. And my question to you today is, in the waiting period, what, who, what, and where do you put your hope in? I, I'm excited for this season, but I, I, I want to clarify. It's not, I'm excited for the overly commercialized moment that leaves you depressed and sad once it's over. I'm talking about this moment where you and I every year get to pause and reflect, where is our hope? Because I would venture to say that if you're anything like me, this year has probably beat you up a little bit. I'm sure this year hasn't been easy. Why? Because that's life. And you're either in a storm or preparing to go into a storm or coming right out of a storm. And you're going to be tempted while you wait for God's answers to put your hope in the wrong things. And can I tell you, those things are only going to leave you high and dry. So the question that I want to ask you today is, where is your hope? Because while we wait, we've got a hope in something. Timothy Keller made what I believe it, it wasn't him that kind of came up with it, but I think he's the one that kind of made it palatable to modern Christianity. He talks about what he calls source idols, and, and he kind of made these, he, he narrowed down these four source idols, and force idols are, source idols are, are this. It's you and I, everything that we struggle with on a day-to-day -day basis, they're kind of surface things, and underneath that surface, we can identify four things that we've essentially put our hope in incorrectly and, and and that's what drives us to then struggle with these surface things and and I would venture to say 
out of these four, you're probably going to fall into one or, if not all, like me, of these categories. Right? We, we can put our hope in things like comfort. Right? And when we put our hope in comfort, when life inevitably, emphasis on inevitably, gets uncomfortable, we try to mask, we run away, we medicate, we pretend like it's not there, or we just all quit. Right? And when we're constantly seeking comfort in a, in a world where discomfort is inevitable, and especially in a follower of Jesus' life where the dealings of God will be uncomfortable, I'm telling you, putting your hope in comfort will only leave you tired and frustrated. Some of you are like, no, no, I, I, I'm kind of an overachiever. I'm a go-getter. I don't seek comfort, Tony. In fact, I love waking up at 3 a.m. and drinking some raw eggs in the morning. I'll get to you. You know, Tony, I, I just, I'm not that comfort-seeking guy. You know, in fact, I'm on an all-out war on comfort. Well, then maybe, just maybe, you fall into the second category, and that is uh, the, the God of approval. Putting your hope in approval. And can, can I tell you that putting our hope in approval is only going to leave us after every relational exchange wondering if we got it right. Uh, are they happy with me? Did, did we get it right? Did, did we look right? Did, did my, was my breath okay? Did I say the right things? Uh, are they, they, did, uh, uh, and it's going to leave you, hear me on this, exhausted because you're performing trying to seek their approval. Oh, Tony, that's not me. Well, then maybe, maybe it's that you put your hope in being in control. Let me preach to myself for a quick second here. And when you, and when you put your hope in control, there's a slide for that, guys. Uh, when you put your hope in control, well, then you, this is how it's going to leave you. It's going to leave you angry with burst blood vessels in your eyes. Because there's a reality to life that you cannot control anyone, anything, especially when you barely can control yourself, if we're honest. The fourth thing that we can put our hope in is, is, is power. And so if we believe, like we talked about last week, if you're here last week, if we believe that money is power, then we, we believe that we can chase this thing and then it only leaves us feeling like there's enough is never actually enough. Uh, or if we believe that, uh, that, that power is found in relationships, well, then we, we begin to climb the corporate ladder. And so I've got status, I've got a title, and therefore now I've got power. My hope for you today is that you would put your hope in the backbone of Christianity. Yes. Yes. That, that the, the very thing that should anchor your soul no matter what. And, and that thing that we put our hope in He's got a name. He's a, he's a person and his presence is here and his power is available to you. And that person's name is, you know this, because you went to Sunday school. Jesus. Bad Christian joke there. You know, those of you that grew up in church, if the pastor asks you a question, you just default to what? Jesus, right? In this case, it's actually the right, the right answer. 
But when we put our hope in, in Jesus and this unwavering, this immovable, soul-anchoring hope, I believe there's three things that take, take place when you and I choose to not put our hope in things that fade away, in things that leave us high and dry, in the things that leave us depressed, the things that leave us weary. No, we put our hope in the one that says, come to me if you're weary, and I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to teach you how to walk with me. And the first thing we must see, and the first thing we benefit from in putting our hope in him is this, is that there is a hope that we are fully accepted. Some of you this morning, you got to know this. And if you hear anything that I say this morning, it says, I hope you walk out with an assurance that you know that you are fully known and fully accepted. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 22. Look at this. Therefore, brothers, since we have the confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus... Not by what you do. Not by, and some of you, by the way, some of you growing up, you were straight A students and it shows. Because growing up, you were a straight A student and now you're an adult and you realize you don't always get 100% on the test. And you can't handle it. And I want to talk to you today and tell you, we don't enter with confidence on our own merit and what we've done because we get it right 100% of the time. No, no, the Bible's clear. It says by the blood, come on, of Jesus. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. That is through his flesh. In other words, the writer here is going, the, the body, his flesh that was ripped and torn. He's likening it to the, to the very curtain, the very veil that would separate the people of God from his presence. And now we can enter boldly and approach his presence. How many of you are grateful for that? Amen. And since we have a great priest over the house of God... Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. Man, you know, it's incredible to me that this says sprinkled clean. Because if I'm honest, I'm like, I need more than a sprinkling sometimes. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want you to know you're fully known and you're fully accepted. You know, growing up, uh, my, my parents did a lot of good things. And those of you that have heard me preach before, you know I, I honor my parents. I've got, I've got a, a wonderful relationship with them. But I mean, you know, parents don't always get it right. And, and I, one of the things that they didn't get quite right was that, Tony, um, uh, th there was always this kind of threat, this underlining threat of, if you don't behave, you, you can go find somewhere else to live, right? But under this roof, this is how we do it. Anybody else grow up that way? Well, can I tell you that even when you don't get it right, God still has a place for you in his family. Can, can I tell you, even when you don't hit the mark 100% of the time, almost as if he already knew that we wouldn't get it right all the time. See, I don't know if you get this or if you've gotten this in your heart quite yet, but God sees all things and knows all things. Let me talk to some young people in the room this morning. The things you think you're hiding from your parents, I've learned now at the age of 35, now that I have adult conversations with my parents, they knew a little more than I thought they knew. <laughs> but God already sees and knows all of those things. 
And last time I checked, the book of Romans chapter 5 says that while we were sinners. But come on, he knew we would royally fail. Fall, I'm talking fall flat on my face. And some of you are looking at me like, well, Tony, no, no, you don't get it. You don't know. If you knew my story, if you knew how bad I am. Uh, can I just lovingly tell you, I think some of you got to get over yourselves. <clears throat> like, have you read the Bible? And I'm like, I'm serious. Like, have you, have, have you searched through Scripture? And you don't have to search very far to, to realize the messed up people God used. Oh, David, a man after God's own heart. He danced before the Lord. He played in the presence. Of, uh, he also murdered so he could get away with having a kid with another man's wife. I want you to know you're fully known, you're fully loved, you're fully accepted. And because of that, and when we know that, there should be a boldness when we approach him. Now, I'm not talking about a self-righteous confidence here. I'm not talking about a, I strut my stuff and I come into God's presence because, you know, I, I, I do what I can to get it all right 100% of the time, which, by the way, you keep living your life like that. And not only is it obvious to everybody else, you, the weariness you're feeling is because you're striving to put on that mask. And eventually that mask has got to be taken off. But there's a boldness that, that comes not just from our own merit, but from the person, from the presence, the, the power of Jesus Christ. And it says even in, in Hebrews, as we just read, but if you go back to the fourth chapter, the 15th verse, it says this is a high priest that actually, it says he can relate with our weaknesses. Have you ever thought about it? It says he can actually sympathize. Though he was tempted in all things, he didn't fall. But I'm telling you, he was backstabbed. I'm telling you, he was let down by people. He was overlooked. He can sympathize with everything you and I have gone through. You are fully known. You're fully accepted. There is this thing called grace that is available to us all. And let me just, if I haven't gotten passionate yet, let me get even more passionate for a second. This is not a message that's isolated for a specific group of people that were born into the right family at the right place at the right time. Come on, Legacy, help me out here. Our third line on our vision has to do with hope for what? All. Right, so this message is available to all people. And no, I'm not throwing it back to Backstreet Boys, but I'm gonna say it. I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you do? Come on, somebody. Some of you had a Backstreet Boys poster and you're trying to hide that fact. And I'm telling you, Jesus sees you. I lost half of the, uh, the, the older generation. That's okay. I'll throw a Carmen joke in later for those of you that are holy. But I'm talking about this, uh, this idea of being fully accepted is available to us all. I don't care who you are, where you come from, what you've done. And, and the beautiful thing about God's grace is this, is that it not only says you are accepted and you have a place in my home and you got a place in my family, you got a seat at my table and I've prepared a meal for you. Not only does it say that, not only does it wash over you, but it also inspires you to live differently. 
You see, because when I know that I'm fully accepted, then there's this thing that's innate in me that's called a reasonable response. Right? When somebody gives you something, you want to take care of it. You want to honor that gift. You want to be able to, to, to go, I want to, I want to do right by this gift. And so this means, my friend, as you look at the temptations in your life or as you look at your shortcomings, you, once you realize that you're fully accepted and there's a hope in being accepted, you can pass it through the filter of, does this match the identity and the inheritance of a son or a daughter of God? Second thing I want to talk to you about today is the hope that we find in His faithfulness. Oh, man, this is where my heart skips a beat in a good way. You know, as I was preparing even uh, for, for this uh, sermon, there's just something about God's faithfulness that messes me up. And the writer in the 23rd verse of Hebrews chapter 10 says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering Look at this. For he who promised is what? Faithful. I don't know how it works in your house, uh, but in my house, uh, uh, I don't do a great job of finishing projects that I start. Anybody? Any husband out there willing to go? Yeah, come on, husbands. Help me out. Like, you got a honey-do list, and it's no longer full of new projects. It's projects you never finished. Come on, somebody. Now, now let me, if I'm picking on myself, I've got to pick on my wife too. Um, so I'm not great at finishing projects. Sophia's not great at cleaning up after herself. Okay? You guys, if you know Sophia, you know this. You know she's a phenomenal chef, phenomenal baker. If you're here Friday night for our gala, you ate good food, right? And, but, but, but I'm a professional cabinet closer. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Sophia's been here, and her, she, her trail tells me where she's been. Like she, she doesn't bring it to completion. She's like, I'm working on this. And just like I start a project, and I get it halfway done through it, and I just I got to get reminded to finish it. Can I tell you that's funny here, but some of you think that's how God handles you. And I want to tell you today, God is faithful to complete everything that he has begun. The book of Philippians, my friend, declares very clearly in the first chapter, sixth verse. Look at how Paul says this. I am sure of this. Yeah. Yeah. it's not uh, it's up in the air we'll see uh, we're going to test or like based on my life experience and my theological understanding no no, no I, and I hope I'm talking to somebody today you gotta know look at me look at me God's not done with you yet you gotta know he is faithful to complete the work he's begun and he's so good that us husbands, we treat these things as projects, but God doesn't treat you like a project. You see, a project you can leave undone. You can leave it up to somebody else to come and finish it. See, a project's just something you take on, maybe out of pity, out of just like, well, it's got to be done. God would look at you and go, the very thing that I've begun in you, I am faithful to complete. Some of you have got to hear that today. As I was thinking, even, you know, as we close out this year, I'm looking at the faithfulness of God, even in this very church. I know a lot of you are newer to us 
In fact, uh, how many, would you just raise your hand if you, if you came to us here just in this last year, would you raise your hand right now and just show hands? Like, look around, right? Like, we've got a ton of new folks. Can I tell you, you're new and you have walked into a church that has experienced God's faithfulness for eight decades. Listen to me, even when we haven't gotten it right every time. And that's not a brag on us. It's a brag on him in spite of us. Come on. But I want to ask you, what happens when things seem unstable in your life? What happens when, when you're in a waiting period? Some of you, like I said, this year has really beat you up. Maybe right now, as you look at the holidays, it's actually your first holiday without somebody that maybe you lost. Or maybe you're looking at a holiday after a, a, a broken relationship in, in a family member's life. Or, or, or maybe this is a holiday season where you're having to really get honest about some things. And, and it, you're, just, you're, just, you're struggling. And, and, and my question is, what happens when life is unstable? Do we question God's faithfulness? And I think that most of you would probably go, no, 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 pastor, you know, my Sunday best, I'm going to, absolutely not, he is faithful through, and they're, no, no, but I want you to get honest. Are we ready at the drop of a hat to throw away all that God has proven himself to be, or will we be the kind of people that stand on the promises of who he is and who has shown himself to be time and time again? Again, where, what, who do you turn to when life is unstable and you are waiting? Well, the psalmist here in the 42nd chapter, as we read earlier, uh, let me just give you a little bit of background here. The the psalmist is actually, uh, for some reason or another, theologians have not yet kind of landed on on what the reason was, but that doesn't really matter. But he was, one reason or another, he was forced to be apart from the presence of God. Uh, b- back then, it's not like you and I today, post-cross, where we get to, like what we're reading right now, we'll just enter in, right? Back then, it, like the presence of God was isolated to a moment in time in a, in a, in a box, right? And, and then so there, there was this thing that would, that would separate humans from that, right? And there's all these things you had to do to be able to go and access, uh, and that's where God would meet his people. And for some reason or another, the psalmist is have to be, he's had to be separated from that place, and he can't go back for the time being. And so he writes this out of this pain and this agony of God, I I can't be with you. And he goes, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? And I would venture to say, my friend, that if you and I are honest, a lot of us don't answer the question like this. We turn to other things. We begin to feel sorry for ourselves. We If we're honest, we begin to blame other people that don't wallow with us and we call them not good friends when in reality they're trying to be good friends and pull us out and give us a fresh perspective, right? Or we isolate, right? Like, uh, I'm going to be alone and and nobody needs to know about this. Come on, I want to encourage you today. Would you be like the psalmist? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior, my God. Will you cry out to the one that is faithful? I want to I encourage you this morning that God, His ears are tuned to your voice. 
You know, a lot of times we can feel like we're just alone and, and, and like nobody hears us. And when it comes to this idea of God and, and, and this spiritual journey of a being that we can't actually tangibly see or touch, our human mind can kind of get stuck on this. Well, is he really in control? Is he actually here? And come on, gray hairs in the room or those that have walked with Jesus for a long time, help me out here. Is he not faithful to not just hear you, but respond to you? And this, my friend, is why it's important. And this is a great segue to my third and final point. We're going to get out of here on time. It is a Christmas miracle. <laughs> Part of it is I haven't paused, okay? But we're just going to keep plowing through this. I hope you're getting something out of this today. Okay. And this is a great segue to my third and final point. But, but this is why, my friend, it's important for you to know to, uh, to, to like actually relate and commune with Scripture. Because Scripture is filled with God showing off His faithfulness. Even to people that are unfaithful. You know, I know in modern day, we look at words like covenant as something like, ah, it's just a contract. It's just a piece of paper. Right? And we live in a day and age where not even like your word is, is honored anymore. God's not that kind of God. We read of a God who is a covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. We read of a God that goes, even in your unfaithfulness, I will remain faithful. And the reason why it's important for you to know the word is so that you can go back and go, look, he's proven himself time and time again. This is why the scripture even talks about there's a cloud of witnesses. There's people that have gone before us that can testify of his faithfulness. How many of you are grateful for his faithfulness? The third and final point here this morning is that there's a hope that we are not alone. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. If you didn't hear anything else that I just passionately delivered to you this morning, hear this. You, my friend, are not meant to be alone. And I would venture to say that one of the biggest plots of the enemy of your soul and my soul is to isolate you, to keep you alone, to keep you inward focused, and to keep you in an echo chamber. And I just want to remind you today, you are not called to live life alone. In fact, we are not just called to just journey through life with people and in a healthy, robust community. We are actually called to, to actually encourage one another in love and good works. Right? The, the, the people that God has called you to be around should be the kind of people that, 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 that blow into this in your life. Right? I always find it funny. Anytime, especially around this time when people begin to make fitness goals. How many of you have fitness goals for this next year? It's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. Um, I always find it funny 
that when someone is trying to, for example, I'm trying to watch what I eat, or I'm trying not to partake in, in this uh, as much, they, they, have you ever seen that like, people like mock them for it? They like tease them about it? Yet nobody like has the audacity to be like, hey, what about your gluttony? Like, hey, I think you're drinking a little too much. Hey, I, I think you're watching too much TV, or, right? The relationships that God is calling us to is the kind that goes, I'm going to encourage you to go into the, the, the things that God has called you into and to the good works that God has for you. But hear me when I say this. You will never find that if you are not in a community. And I would venture to say there are some of you in this room today, and I'm sorry to offend you, but sorry, not sorry. Some of you don't feel loved. Some of you feel like you are alone. And it's not so much because there aren't people around you. It's because you've shut people out of your life. And you've refused to allow people, and hear me on this because it goes two ways. When it comes to a healthy, robust community and not living in isolation, it actually means that ironing, sharpening iron means you are allowing somebody in your life to call you up and to call you out. Can I get a little preachy for a second? You know what bothers me sometimes? You know, this is a hypothetical. It doesn't happen here. Is friendships or relationships that are broken after the first time somebody calls something out of them. Like, I, I've watched this happen time and time again. Like, we're cool as long as, like, we're cool. But, like, the moment I see, hey, I don't know if that's the way you should talk to your wife. I'm canceled. <laughs> hey, I don't know if, like, I just, like, the way you yelled at your kids, like, can we talk about where that's coming from? You don't talk to me about my parenting. This is a hypothetical, y'all. That, By the way, in a charismatic church, when it's quiet, I know I'm getting somewhere. <laughs> I want to encourage you. There is beauty in allowing people in your life, the right people to go, I got to call this out of you. I, I see this in you. And, and you know what? You're called for greater things. You're, you're better than this, my friend. I've had many moments in my life that thank God I've had people to grab me by the shoulders and go, you are better than this, Tony. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, what are you doing? What are you thinking, you idiot? <laughs> some of you are falling asleep, so I've got to throw out some words that, are, that you all use six days out of the week, but you don't want me to use on a Sunday. <laughs> I, I can't say that I've never said this before because I said it to first service, but this is a bold declaration that, I've, that I haven't made yet to you, Legacy, so I, I'm going to make it to you today. The context of even what the writer of Hebrews is talking about, he's actually, he's even going not neglecting to meet together. And I want to tell you, we are a local church believing people. There is no kingdom of God without the local church. And there is no local church without the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you today, in 2023, when we've created all these different avenues that don't look like a local church community, and we've replaced discipleship with entertainment, 
and we've replaced Bible teaching with a 30-second tickling of your ears podcast. And I'm not telling you any of these avenues are, are bad or, or, or these tools available to us. And I, I'm going to lovingly talk to our online community. That's great, but don't stay there. You need this. What? And why? And here's, here's a statement I want to make. The Bible commands the local gathering. The local gathering is a privilege. And can I talk to some Americans today? that have taken for granted the privilege we have to freely gather in a local setting right now. And I think because we've taken it for granted, we see it as a cheap, optional thing, which really is the third statement I want to make. The local gathering is not just another option for your weekend plans. I'm just, I, I just got to tell you, okay? The local gathering keeps you grounded the local gathering keeps you encouraged. And it connects you to something greater than yourself. In an inward-focused world, in a you-do-you-boo world, in a I'm-gonna-live-my-truth world. Come on, I hope I'm offending some people. We are called to gather. Why? Why? And I'm going to make this very clear, Legacy Church. Again, I know we've got some visitors, and, and, and I, I hope that your pastor deals with this if, if, it, if it doesn't go with what your church is doing. But here, here's, here's the deal, and I have a feeling he won't. The local church is not just meant to be a little kumbaya circle for you and I to get together with like-minded people. Okay, again, I hope I'm offending you. We gather so that we can grow. We gather so that we can glorify God. Yes. We gather so, hear me, we can be trained. And this is where I knew I was going to get less amens from you guys. Because the local gathering is for you to be equipped to then be sent so that we can be scattered through our city, through our, through our workplaces, our neighborhoods, through the, throughout the world. Come on, I'm talking about the local gathering. What I'm doing even now is, 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 is to equip you to train your hands so that you can go and be a light and spread the message of hope for all people. Not so that we gather and we hang out and we sing our three songs and this and that. And hopefully the pastor doesn't go over 35 minutes. And if you go to this church, you already know it's 50 minutes minimum. <laughs> Do not fall into the trap of isolation. Do not fall into the trap that you see church and the local gathering as God's plan B when it's always been plan A. What, don't, 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 and it's time, my friend, and I really do. I hope you hear my heart on this. It's time for you, like we talked about last week and the week prior, about giving God our first and our best, that we reprioritize our lives in such a way that we are not to live alone. That we live in a community, and it's a community that goes, hey, all you who are lonely, he puts the lonely in the family. Where do you think that family's found? I'm preaching today. I'm almost done though. I'm almost done. Are you getting something out of this today? 
When we look at the local gathering as something that we simply consume, we sell God's plan short. It's my final thing to say to you. You are about to be reminded of just how consumeristic this culture is. And listen, I will meddle into your finances at our next finance series. <laughs> but I want to encourage you, for the sake of consumerism, we get into debt. For the sake of consumerism, we ignore the order of God. For the sake of consumerism, we actually then, when we allow consumerism to enter into our culture, we actually then begin to relate with one another and God's local gathering in the same way. And we show up on a Sunday with our hands crossed. We'll see what they do today. We'll see what the worship team does today. We'll see if Tony screams at us for 50 or 45 minutes today. <laughs> and this is why, my friend, I, I end every service with telling you service might be over, but church, but church is not over. Thank you, staff. At least they got it. Because <laughs> I, I believe God, and hear me on this church, I know we're talking about Advent and putting our hope in, in, in all this, in, in Jesus, but can I tell you, when it comes to not being alone, and as it relates to the local gathering, will you understand that the church means you are the church? It means you and I are the actual hands and feet. Do not fall into the trap that says, I show up and they do. No, no. We lean in and we build together. We are privileged to not be alone, my friend. We are privileged to serve a God that goes, I could, did you know this? God could do anything he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants, with whomever he wants. Yet, he's like, hey, Come on, you're invited to join me. I'm done, I'm done. Worship team, you can come on up. Okay, because we're actually going to end the service on time, and it is a Christmas miracle. Praise Him. So, this is how we're going to end this morning. I want to remind you, putting your hope in comfort, putting your hope in approval, Putting your hope in control, putting your hope in power will only leave you empty, destitute, exhausted, let down. And then the last thing I want is for you to walk into this holiday season as we look to, to the birth of our Savior and you walk into it with an expectation of the wrong things. But that you would put your hope in the fact that because of what Jesus has done, you are fully known and fully accepted. Because of what Jesus has done and, and the character of whom God is and who He says He is, you can trust in His faithfulness. And that you can hope that, my friend, you might feel lonely, but you are not alone. God is with you. He is near you. And He has called you into a life of community for you to go, I am going to get honest about my life. 
I'm going to get some people around me. And, and let me just say this. It's going to be risky. It's going to be messy. But you're going to have to enjoy the fact that in that mess, God has something beautiful for you. Would you stand to your feet? Because I believe it's time for us to respond now. And as always, there's four ways for you to respond. Number one, we're going to offer to you just the opportunity to sit and pray. We've got the prayer corner as well. If you feel like you need someone to pray with you or for you, we've got people in the back of the sanctuary right now willing and able to go pray with you. Next thing that you can do as a response is what do you have to give to God? What do you have to give over to Him? Maybe as I was preaching today, you're like, I haven't even given my life to Him yet. Perhaps you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. Let today be the day that you accept the free gift of eternal life. Maybe you've walked with him before and you've now walked away and you're going, I actually want to come back. Here's a beautiful thing is he's actually at that front porch on his rocking chair, looking down the driveway, waiting for you. And so if that's you today, you want to give your life over to the Lord or, or you want to come back to him, you can also head over at any time during this next song over to the prayer corner. We've got people that are going to pray with you and for you. The other way for us to respond is just by celebrating the table of the Lord. So we've got communion stations set up here in the front and one in the back. How many of you know nothing that we talked about today would even be possible if it wasn't for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? So I want you to have a moment where you reflect on that, the meaning of that, and with a grateful heart you partake in remembrance of Him. And then lastly, we're going to sing a song that talks about where we put our hope. But before we do that, can I just declare something over you that's found in the book of Romans chapter 15 verse 13 would you close your eyes and just allow this to be a blessing over your life may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope let's go ahead and respond together now church thank you once again for joining us today we hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.